Hare Krishna. <clears throat> thank you, Sevat Atula Prabhu. Uh, thank you, Shivananda Shyam Prabhu, for organizing. Uh, and my thanks also to Dr. Sumantarudra for having the inspiration that we have this gathering. So uh, it's within the auspices of Bhaktivedanta Research Center, which is uh, a quite dynamic institution developing uh, in initially in Kolkata, now in Mumbai, Govardhan Eco Village, and I understand also expanding in Pune, and even New York, and yeah, uh, like that. <laughs> so, and thank you all for coming together. Uh, I hope that we can have some illuminating discussions. I'll begin with some Mangala Charana. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadejatarine Mancha Kalpatrubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchanagorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshvari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Pri Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Giradhar Shivasadi Gaurabhaktavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So again, thank you all for coming uh, for this discussion on Archana, deity worship. Uh, I'm 
I'm happy to uh, have this discussion, to give this presentation. At the same time, I'm a little, I have some mixed feeling, truth be told, because uh, it's actually been some time since I've engaged in a very active way in the whole area of deity worship. Either I, I do my own very simple worship in my ashram, um, the study that I did, the research that I've done, which I'll be talking something about, um, I sort of was amazed uh, to realize some days ago how many years ago it was. <laughs> the time is passing so quickly. It's been uh, more than 15 years since I finished uh, my research uh, based in Oxford. But um, it's good also for me. It gives me, an, gives me an opportunity to refresh and reconsider and uh, possibly see some aspects of this very, very rich um, feature uh, we can say also a kind of trademark feature of our immediate society, ISKCON, of deity worship. Uh, one thing that people who have had any experience, who have visited our temples, are immediately struck by is uh, the very high caliber, the very high quality of our worship of the Lord in his Archana Murti. Um, I have a few ideas um, what I want to discuss, but I'm also interested to see what you are particularly interested in. So although... Um, Sevananda um, Shyam, Shivananda Shyam, sorry, um, said we will wait until the very end for questions. I may also open for questions earlier. Um, anyway, this will be a, f a flexible, a fairly flexible event. Um, and I, I, I'm also not sure, but I'm, I'm assuming, uh, since we're having two sessions today and tomorrow, that we're doing this as a series, which is to say not that I'm repeating myself tomorrow, but that uh, you who are attending today will, um, as you are able, be attending tomorrow. Uh, from experience, I know it's not always like that. New people come in and, uh, oh, not old people, but others who have been the first time have other engagements. So we'll just have to see how things go. Um, a little bit more about myself in relation to uh, Archana. You heard some introduction of myself um, 
maybe I'll say a bit more um, about my my experience. I haven't. Well, okay, let's say like this. Uh, I did. <laughs> it was said that I joined in 1970. Actually, I didn't join in 1970. I joined in 1972. And three weeks later, I was initiated by Srila Prabhupada. Um, my experience as a pujari began a bit, uh, more than a year later in Amsterdam. Uh, I joined the devotees in Germany and then uh, was sent to Amsterdam to help, where Lord Jagannath uh, Jagannath Subhadra, Baladeva uh, were the presiding deities. I say were because those deities are now in Radhadesh in Belgium, south of, uh, of Holland, south of Amsterdam. Uh, and let me just mention also, it was said that Bhaktivedanta College is in Bulgaria, well, maybe they have a Bhaktivedanta college there, <laughs> um, but the Bhaktivedanta college that I'm involved with is in Belgium uh, at Radhadesh. In any case, I began uh, worship uh, there, my worship experience, uh, without any understanding at all, really, of what I was doing. Um, my memory is that I was not the pujari. I was a, I was a book distributor. But one morning, um, I came into the temple room for Mangalarti. The lights were off. Everything was off. I could see that the deities had not yet been awakened. And I wondered what's going on, so I went to look for the pujari, and I found the pujari, and he said, I said, what's happening? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing the puja anymore. <laughs> and what happened? Well, it turned out there had been some kind of disagreement between him and the temple president the night before, and he just decided, well, I'm going on strike. <laughs> uh, okay, so I just kind of decided on my own, I'm going to go wake the deities and uh, so we can have Mangalarti. So that's how my experience began uh, with Lord Jagannath. And then uh, on and off, I was doing some worship, and then I was um, sent back to Germany. And in Germany in uh, 1975, I was asked to help with the deity worship in Schloss Reddershof. And I was very happy to oblige to do that. So for about one year, I was, yeah, we can say the 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 pujari for Gornitai. 
Um, and uh, then I had other services, traveling and preaching. And then in uh, 1979, we, Prabhupada has departed. Uh, in Germany, the devotees have acquired a small farm in southeastern Germany. And this farm is very close to the border of what is now Czech Republic. It was Czechoslovakia before. Uh, about 10 kilometers from the border. And this border in 1979-1980 uh, had been for many years, we can say since World War II, and up until 
of uh, deity standards around ISKCON. And we made a form and we sent, this is all before the internet and so on. Uh, so it was very difficult to get responses. Ultimately, eventually we got maybe, maybe 40 responses. Uh, that information, I was just thinking this morning, where did we leave it? It, it must be in the uh, Shida Mayapur uh, uh, Gurukul Library. Uh, all of that information we gathered from that time. It might be of historical interest at some point. And uh, from there... <clears throat> I found myself involved uh, while I'd been visiting Shidam Mayapur. Uh, we come to the early 90s, and there was discussion on the level of the GBC that we need a more comprehensive and more definitive deity worship uh, manual. Uh, so His Holiness Banu Swami was engaged in doing research and also translation of uh, various texts, including sections in the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. I became interested in that project. I got involved, and eventually I was asked to oversee uh, the compilation of a deity worship manual. I want to mention uh, all the others who were in that group. First of all, His Holiness Jaipataka Swami, His Holiness Banu Swami, His Holiness Bhaktivedya Purna Swami, His Grace Jananivas Prabhu, His Grace Atmatattva Prabhu, His Grace Ashtarata Prabhu from Germany, and myself. And uh, we managed over, I don't know, I think we started in um, 1990 or 91. I don't know exactly. But we finally brought all of this together in two volumes, what we call Volume 1 and Supplement to Volume 1. Uh, the idea being there would be eventually Volumes 2, 3, and four, those have never been done, <laughs> um, on deity worship. And uh, in 1995, we managed to have them printed and bound. Uh, if any of you have copies of, of this book, well, I can show it here for those who have not seen it. It's in this uh, strikingly bright orange... <laughs> cloth cover. This was uh, printed and bound in Kolkata at a small a small uh, publisher or printer. And that's how it came out in this rather, um, how to say, unusual form. <laughs> so uh, then in 1995... After, I would say, two or three years of gradually um, discussing with 
some of my senior god brothers, um, I was being very strongly, strongly urged, encouraged uh, to return to my university study, which I had dropped uh, before I became a devotee some 23 years before at University of California in Berkeley. Devotees urged me to go back to university to study Sanskrit, which is what's my initial interest, and uh, with it also to uh, take up the academic study of religion as a way of becoming qualified, well, um, in the study of religion to be able to represent our own tradition, the Vaishnava, Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition among scholars. So, mm, over the next eight years, full-time, except for summer breaks, I was engaged in uh, this uh, study, initially finishing undergraduate, then uh, going for postgraduate study, master's degree, and uh, doctorate. The master's thesis, uh, you may be interested to know, is available on Kindle. Uh, This is, it's been also published. This is called Krishna Seva, The Theology of Deity Worship in Chaitanya Vaishnavism. It's quite basic uh, in uh, in many ways. Um, The focus is on theology, that is, uh, the the reasoning within a theistic tradition. Uh, We may want to call it philosophy, but in modern terms, more strictly, we would call it theology. Uh, And, however, you may find of particular interest the final chapter of this small book um, as uh, giving a, a kind of response to the charge, to the criticism which comes from uh, non-Indian religious traditions, that is to say from uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam for worshipping images, what they typically call idolatry. I have uh, written a kind of defense, if you like, but in an analytical way. If you, um, if you search Kindle, uh, I think you need to spell Krishna, K-R-I-S-H-N-A, and then Seva, um, or look for my, my name, uh, my civil name, Kenneth Valpe. You may find it. And it's a free download. There's at least what I saw this morning, it's uh, zero, <laughs> zero cost, so you may want to download that. After I finished this and went to Oxford, initially thinking I would do some other sort of research within our tradition, my doctoral supervisor urged me that, no, you have already so much knowledge about this Archana tradition, you should expand uh, your 
research on this topic. And so I did. I took his advice as uh, Lord Krishna's message to me. And eventually um, I completed that dissertation, which then it became possible to publish with the academic publisher, Routledge. And this is called Attending Krishna's Image, Chaitanya Vaishnava Murti Seva as Devotional Truth. Uh, this somewhat difficult uh, subtitle points to some uh, theoretical uh, analysis, which we will see if there's time and if there's interest, I may uh, try to explain. Uh, this book is not available. Um, it's available on Kindle, but they're charging 35 pounds, which is, I know it's, it's a lot of money for India. Um, so, but it may be that Govardhan Eco Village has a digital copy. I don't remember if we sent them one or not. So, uh, that's pretty much an overview of my, uh, my involvement, I would say, um, in the devotional world and also in the academic world. I've also written mm, a handful, maybe, or less of articles. I've written about the history of deity worship uh, in ISKCON, written one article. And we may, I want to say something on that subject as well. Um, and speaking of history, I think this is where I want to begin. Maybe I'll give a little, first a little overview of what I have in mind uh, as initial outlining, and then we will see how things go. So first I want to talk about history, and I want to begin with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu visiting temples in Chaitanya Charitamrita and then come up to uh, or include uh, history of deity worship in ISKCON and possibly say something here or else a little later about history of um, deity worship manuals. And then uh, I thought we best divide our subject um, a, according to uh, traditional divisions of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana. As Krishnadas Kaviraj tells us in Chaitanya Chaitamrita, this is the way, or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, these are the three principal categories by which we understand uh, Shastra, in particular the Bhagavatam. Uh, so within this uh, typology, Sambandha, Abhideya, Prayojana, starting with Sambandha, I want to talk at some length about Shastric sources for Archana. Uh, and this means not only talking about Hari Bhakti Vilasa, that's going to come 
uh, more toward the end of my discussion on this. But starting with Gita, then Bhagavatam, then Chaitanya Charitamrita, then Hari Bhakti Vilasa. Uh, and then uh, some more points about Sambandha. Then we can begin to talk about Abhideya, the process. Uh, and here we may go into our Pancharatra Pradipa and uh, we may discuss about the five aspects of Archana, Abhigamana, Upadana, Yoga, Ijya, and Svadhyaya. And there's also Prayojana. What is the aim of all of this? Of course, the aim of uh, of our practice of bhakti yoga in general, prema uh, pumarto mahan, it is reaching uh, pure devotional service, pure love for, for the Lord. And in that context, especially as time allows, uh, whether today or tomorrow, let's see. But I, I would like to put emphasis on manasa puja or manasika puja, uh, that we develop some, some practice, some efforts uh, in the area of manasa puja, which is really a very significant dimension. Um, in one sense, we could say it's the most significant dimension of worship for the personal, for the individual practitioner, for the individual pujari. Um, I know there's a concern about standards, deity worship standards, and of course we can speak about this. Uh, we can speak about Srila Prabhupada's concerns and about how how um, different sorts of issues arise um, in the course of our service, in the course of um, the development of our institution. Questions sometimes arise which no one would ever have dreamt of uh, maybe a few years ago or so. Um, so that's what I have at present. We, we may also, again, as time goes and as time allows, I may give some uh, interesting details from my research for this book, Attending Krishna's Image, in particular uh, from the Radharaman Temple in Vrindavan, one of the chapters of my book is specifically on this. Uh, I spent four months uh, li living um, just 50 meters away from the Radharaman Temple in Vrindavan so that I could conveniently go there every day, spend the day, and uh, speak with uh, the Goswamis and with others and to observe how they were doing uh, the worship. And uh, I was doing this in particular because I had always remembered from 
I don't know how many years before, hearing that Srila Prabhupada had given the instruction to our godbrother Narottamananda Prabhu that he should study the process and practice of worship in two temples. He mentioned the Radharaman temple in Vrindavan and Keshava Keshavaji Gaudiyamat in Mathura. Uh, so I concentrated on the Radharaman temple and uh, was able to get some interesting, helpful information there. Um, I was not able, I didn't have time to study the practices at the Keshav G. Gaudiyamat. Someone else may want to do that someday. So we may also look in some parts of that chapter. And otherwise, we can keep it open-ended. We can uh, have discussion and, yeah, questions and discussion. Okay. Mm. So, let's see. Okay. So let's begin by thinking about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as described especially in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, the fact that Mahaprabhu visited so many temples is interesting. Um, and it's interesting also that Two entire chapters in the beginning of Madhyalila, chapters 2 and 3, are uh, dedicated to stories about deities, uh, about the wonders, we may say, the mir miraculous activities of deities. Specifically, we have uh, the story of Kshirachor Gopinath, uh, in, is it chapter 2 or 3? I don't remember. And uh, we have the story uh, of Shakshi Gopal. And these stories are being narrated to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as he is visiting these temples on his way to Puri, which means he's on his way to another temple, uh, he's on his way to uh, the temple of Lord Jagannath. Um, and uh, later, uh, especially chapter 8, Madhyalila, uh, and elsewhere are described. Mahaprabhu is traveling in South India. He's visiting temples. Uh, he's staying for four months at Sri Rangam, during the rainy season. Uh, there is a tradition um, that the Jagannath deities, which are in a small mandir across, just across the street from where uh, Venkata Bhatta, who hosted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, 
lived. Uh, in that small temple, there are Jagannath, Subhadra, Baladev deities, very special uh, deities with uh, very remarkable uh, facial forms. This, the story is that these were carved personally by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That story is there. In any case, whether or not he did, um, it, it's, uh, it's not impossible. <laughs> After all, he is the Lord of the universe and he is Lord Jagannath himself. So what is the difficulty? And besides that, he had time. Uh, he was there for four months. So he may have very well done this work. In any case, that that temple is there, and of course the main temple of Ranganath is right there. And then so many temples he visited in South India. And then in Brindavan, uh, he has darshan of deities. It's at Nandagram, I believe, uh, of uh, the deities of uh, Nanda Baba and Yashoda Mai and uh, Bala Krishna. Uh, and of course, he sends his devotees, uh, the Goswamis, to Vrindavan uh, to reestablish Vrindavan as the home of Lord Krishna. And so they, each of the Goswamis, establish their own temples. And it's by the inspiration and blessing of, uh, of Sri Madan Mohan in particular, uh, Madan Gopal, Madan Mohan, that Krishnadas Kaviraj is empowered, he feels himself empowered to write the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which then in important ways becomes the scriptural foundation for the Gaudiya Vaishnava, the Chaitanya Vaishnava tradition. Uh, in practically all the descriptions of Mahaprabhu visiting temples, um, it's described how much, with what uh, joyful ecstasy Mahaprabhu would, would dance and chant in these temples. And these temples were not all only Krishna temples. He also visited Shiva temples. Um, so there is a sense in any case, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that temple worship is important. It's significant. Mahaprabhu spends uh, the final uh, 18 years and, and especially the last 12 years absorbed uh, in the worship of Lord Jagannath, in Jagannath Puri. Uh, and so... This becomes the basis for us in the uh, us, the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, to also understand 
uh, temple wor worship as as an integral aspect, an integral component of our practices of devotional service. Speaking of Jagannath Temple, we know that uh, this temple is much older than from the time of Lord Chaitanya. Mahaprabhu uh, appeared in the latter part of the 15th century and he uh, displayed his pastimes up into the first third of the, what's understood as the 16th century, according to the Western calendar. But the, the Jagannath Temple, um, as it exists today, it may have existed long before, but its historians uh, trace it back to 11th or 12th century of the Common Era. Other temples in South India uh, can be traced back earlier. There is one temple in Kanchipuram, a smaller temple, the Vaikuntha Peramal temple, which uh, is dated quite exactly uh, to the end of the 8th century, so 790-something. Uh, and there are traces of temples going earlier, but there's not very much. And this is interesting because our tradition tells us that temple worship, the worship of uh, the Lord in his deity form, was the yuga dharma of Dvapara yuga. Uh, and one would like to see evidence of that. One would like to see that there are temples going back. Now, some of you will be quick to say, well, yes, uh, we know that such and such deity uh, is 5,000 years old. Um, we hear this a lot. Uh, for some reason, the 5,000 becomes the convenient number. Um, and I have to say, that's wonderful, and from a <clears throat> from the perspective of um, modern scholarship, what would be wanted is something more than uh, the evidence just of tradition. Um, we we also hear that uh, the grandson or the great grandson of Lord Krishna established so many deities in Vrindavan. Again, this uh, we take from our tradition. It would be nice, would be very nice if we could get any kind of other uh, confirming evidence of the age of these deities. But in any case, uh, temple worship does go back. Just by modern estimation, it goes back easily a thousand years or more. Uh, let's sort of jump forward uh, to the mm, history of our own uh, society, ISKCON. But before we come to ISKCON, we should look at uh, the society established by Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur. Uh, as you all certainly know, uh, there are so many 
Godia Mutz um, under different institutions now, but initially under Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, who uh, favored to establish uh, the format, we can say, of having deities of Radha, Krishna, and Goranga Mahaprabhu, whereby his particular concern was to emphasize, to visually emphasize the point that Goranga Mahaprabhu is Radha Krishna Nahe Anya. He is non-different from Radha and Krishna. And so you will see, um, as far as I know, without exception, if you visit Godiamat temples, they will have Radha Krishna and Goranga Mahaprabhu. Uh, they may also have other deities, uh, Jagannath and so on. Srila Prabhupada established his mission, as we all know, in, initially in New York, and uh, not very long after that, he visited San Francisco. And in San Francisco, in the storefront uh, on, I guess it was on Frederick Street, in the Haight-Ashbury district, uh, which was the hotbed of uh, the what came to be called the hippie scene, uh, so many young people were living, uh, desperately looking for a new way of life, generally uh, becoming caught up in uh, intoxication of all sorts. But uh, the temple of the devotees became a kind of oasis, a place to take shelter away from um, all such madness, even right in the midst of it. And it was there that um, when Srila Prabhupada was uh, visiting, was staying for some time, uh, Shimati Malati Devi Dasi came to Srila Prabhupada with a small, very small wooden image that she had picked up and I say picked up because I don't think she paid for it, uh, from a shop in San Francisco. And she thought it was curious, and she understood it's something from India. And when she came and showed to Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada immediately folded his hands and said, Oh, you have brought Lord Jagannath. And he explained there, there should be two other figures, Subhadra and Baladeva. And she said, oh, yes, there were also these uh, two other figures. And she went back to the shop and she got, got, got them also, <laughs> one way or another. And then Srila um, <clears throat> Prabhupada inspired Shama Sundar Prabhu, who was um, by profession a carpenter, uh, to carve large-size Jagannath, Subhadra, and Baladev, and then with a very simple installation ceremony, Srila Prabhupada installed uh, the deities there in San Francisco. That was the beginning of 
temple worship. And in the beginning, Srila Prabhupada taught the devotees to um, respect the deities, not to take them out to the park, which there's a photograph. One day they took Lord Jagannath out uh, outdoors and just set him in the park and sat around and, and made kirtan. Prabhupada said, mm, no, this should not, they should not be brought like that, but you can have Ratayatra. So the first Ratayatra uh, occurred, of course, outside of Puri, occur, occurred in San Francisco at uh, the famous park, Golden Gate Park. Uh, the first Rata was a slightly converted flatbed truck and you may have seen photos also, the deities were set up uh, on three sides, facing uh, Jagannath to the right, Baladev to the left, and Subhadra to the back of the truck. <laughs> so it was all in a kind of crude arrangement. But Srila Prabhupada was very pleased. So many people came, and there's a... a quite famous photograph uh, of Srila Prabhupada. I don't believe it's from the first Ratayatra, maybe, but it shows, it's Srila Prabhupada standing in front uh, of uh, the Jagannath cart with his hands raised like this and a huge smile and a big crowd of people. Uh, it's it's uh, a wonderful image. So that was the beginning. Uh, eventually, when devotees in Los Angeles acquired a property, uh, Srila Prabhupada encouraged them to establish a much more elaborate standard of worship, we can say. Elaborate in the sense that it would now become regulated. Uh, there would be Mangalarti every morning. It would be at a certain time. Uh, there would be Guru Puja. It would be at a certain time, and so on. Uh, now, one could ask why Srila Prabhupada would emphasize temple worship. And to answer this, I think there are a few things one could say, but a couple I will mention now. Uh, one goes back to before Srila Prabhupada left India. One of Prabhupada's articles in his Back to Godhead magazine, which was hardly a magazine when he first started it, it was a few pages uh, that he would print in Delhi and he would personally uh, distribute, selling at tea stalls and so on. So in one article, he speaks about temples and he, sa he says the, that temples should be places of education. Temples should be places where people come and they become educated in uh, the teachings of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. 
uh, from Bhagavad Gita, and so on. So he saw a temple as a place for education. I think this is very important. It's something which, uh, of course, um, in more recent years, we've come to take much more to heart in our society. Uh, I know, especially uh, in India, especially Chopati and Govardhan Eco Village and Pune, I know this is very, very well understood. But for some time, in some sense, it was kind of forgotten. Not that there were not classes, there were morning classes and possibly evening classes. But um, the idea of a temple as a place of, work, of education still was somewhat uh, sidelined. Mm. And the other reason Srila Prabhupada wanted to emphasize temple worship, deity worship, uh, was as the practical application of especially Vaidhi, Sadhana Bhakti, as the means by which um, practitioners could come up to and maintain uh, the standards of purity required for offenseless chanting of the holy name. Uh, as uh, directed in the teachings of the Goswamis, uh, in particular, Srila Jiva Goswami and his Bhakti Sandharva. So, in other words, Srila Prabhupada wanted to give the full life, the full practice, the full world of uh, the practice of Krishna Bhakti. And this meant there needs to be uh, temple worship. So, over the years, oh, and I wanted to say, because someone may ask, so why didn't Srila Prabhupada um, follow Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur in terms of having as the, as the, uh, the setup of deities the configuration of deities to have Radha Krishna and Goranga Mahaprabhu. Why, why did he establish Radha Krishna and then Shishi Radha Krishna, Shishi Gornitai, Shishi Jagannath Subhadra Three altars with the standard. One reason I understand is. Um, from Srila Prabhupada's experience growing up in Kolkata, uh, there are some temples, private temples in Kolkata, Kolkata um, maintained by uh, wealthy families, and uh, they were maintaining, they were also maintaining pujaris to maintain the worship, of these uh, sometimes with three altars temples in which uh, this would be the configuration. Radha Krishna in the center, uh, Shishi Gornitai and Shishi Jagannath Subhadra Valadev. 
Srila uh, Prabhupada wanted this sort of full display because uh, this would, first of all, include Nityananda Prabhu uh, as essential to be understood as integral to the preaching of uh, the, the mission uh, of Goranga Mahaprabhu beyond India to the rest of the world. And then, of course, uh, Jagannath Subhadra Baladev as those lords whom uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu worships and his worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the mood of his worship uh, is a very special internal mood of uh, the feeling of separation. And this may have been Srila Prabhupada's own mood, uh, wanting to uh, facilitate uh, all, of, all of the world to participate in this mood, which is also the, uh, the hallmark of the Gaudiya tradition, the sense of viraha bhava or vipralamba bhava. But also, because Jagannath is a very mm, all-inclusive personality of Godhead. He is the Lord of the universe. He comes out uh, on his rata uh, and uh, the devotees celebrate with the public. And this also has become a hallmark of ISKCON, the Rata Yatra festivals worldwide. Okay, I'm going to pause for a moment. I see. <clears throat> I, I see a message here that my voice is not being heard. And I don't know if that still applies or if it was only for some time. I hope I'm being heard. If not, I need to be uh, informed. Uh, Achyuta Mohan Prabhu is uh, telling us, yes, I presume means yes, you can hear. Achyuta Mohan Prabhu says, Srila Prabhupada had also brought deities from Mayapur to install at his Jhansi center. Later, when his center was forced to close, he donated those deities to Keshavji Gaudiyamat Mathura, where they are being worshipped even today. Oh, thank you for reminding of that. That's very nice. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so Srila Prabhupada brought, literally, he brought Krishna uh, outside of India, to the West and to the rest of the world. Uh, and we continue as his followers to honor uh, this effort that Srila Prabhupada made by worshiping the Lord mm, carefully and conscientiously in our temples. 
One of Srila Prabhupada's uh, important instructions prior to his departure was uh, to keep standards that he had established um, that even if n there was no expansion at least there should be maintenance of of the standards that he had given okay let's see well uh, I guess I will proceed unless someone has a burning question to anything I've mentioned so far. Um, yeah, I've, I want to talk about Shastric sources of Archana. And as I mentioned, I want to begin with Bhagavad Gita, then uh, consider the Bhagavatam, then Chaitanya Charitamrita, and then uh, Hari Bhakti Vilasa. And we might also look at our Pancharatra Padipa. Okay, we have a question from Lalit Madhava Prabhu. In ISKCON, whether Balakrishna deity worship is authorized. Many Grihasa devotees in ISKCON worship Balakrishna deities. Yes, I think especially in the west of India, uh, and I think this tradition comes um, especially from uh, the Vallabha Sampradaya, where there's a lot of emphasis um, on vatsalya bhava, vatsalya rasa, and the worship of Krishna as a child. My understanding is that there's no objection provide, uh, there's no, start again, there's no objection in general from ISKCON for grihastas to worship Bala Krishna in their homes under the guidance of their gurus, if their, gui if their guru authorizes. That's the general principle in any case for worship of uh, the deity, is that we take blessings from our guru uh, to do the worship, because guru, deity, and mantra are uh, integral to that worship. We don't have Balakrishna deities on our temple altars, our public temple altars, um, because um, the focus that Srila Prabhupada wanted us to have is, as I mentioned, on Shishi Radha Krishna, Shishi Gornitai, Jagannath, and there were uh, a few exceptions made. Uh, we have in, uh, well, we have in Bhaktivedanta Manor, we have Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. They were installed after Srila Prabhupada's departure. Uh, but also in um, Washington, D.C., in America, there, there are Shishi Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. Panchatattva were installed 
uh, in Hawaii under Srila Prabhupada's direction. Uh, in Fiji, there was installation of Kaliya Krishna under Srila Prabhupada's uh, blessings. But in general, um, the public temples are kept uh, following these standards with uh, devotees at home possibly also worshipping Balakrishna uh, with the blessings of, of their guru. That's my understanding. Okay, I'm going to put that up here. Yeah. Okay, so Shastric sources of Archana. We begin with Bhagavad Gita, and the natural place to begin, I think, would be Patram Puspam Palam Toyam. Yome Bhaktya Prayachati Tadaham Bhakti Paritam. Ashnami Prayata Atmana. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 26, Lord Krishna is, we may say, inviting uh, in very specific way how it is that he can be easily pleased. Uh, I see a question about Shinachi. We can come back to Shinachi after some time. Um, <clears throat> the emphasis with this verse is on what is the active ingredient, we may say. Uh, what is the active ingredient in, in worship? It is bhakti. Patram pushpam palam toyam yo me bhaktya prayachati. Prayachati, if it is offered bhaktya with bhakti, tataham bhakti uparitam, then I will accept it. Uparitam, I will accept that offering. Sometimes, or more than sometimes, many times, uh, we hear the question, I can't remember when was the first time I heard this question from devotees. Uh, the question they will ask is, uh, for worship, uh, they want to worship deities at home, and they will ask, what is the minimum standard of worship for deities? So I'm going to anticipate if this question will come up because I like to quote Gorkesheva uh, Prabhu. I think his answer to this question is very nice. He said, he said Shastra gives different standards. Uh, the, the sort of general standard is Shodash uh, Upachar, 16 Upacharas. And there's lists of these 16 items, uh, which would be kind of the basic standard. Um, however, there's also, there are, you can say, options. Uh, one 
whether under certain circumstances or because one is worshiping uh, a, let's say, supportive deity or for worshiping of the guru preliminary to main worship, one might offer uh, 12 items or 10 items or there's a list of five items or two items or one item. So then, aha, uh-huh, so that one item, that must be the, the minimum. Yes? Well, yes, uh, but what is that one item? That one item is bhakti. And if there is bhakti, if there is really bhakti, then one would certainly not be asking the question, what is the minimum standard? One would not think, if there is genuine devotion, what is the least that I can do for Krishna? (laughs) So in other words, there is no minimum standard because the minimum is bhakti, and when there is bhakti, there is a natural desire to do something more, to have the feeling, I have not done enough. What more can I do for Krishna? So in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is hinting at that when he says, uh, Yome Bhaktya Prayachati. If it is offered with devotion, I will accept it. And he's also indicating, well, two things. He's first of all putting the preliminary condition, namely, there must be bhakti, there must be devotion. And secondly, he's, uh, he is saying, he is promising that he, Krishna, will reciprocate. Tadaham bhakti paritam ashnami, I will consume. I will consume that offering. I will accept that offering. So if you have devotion and you offer me, for example, Krishna is giving as example, leaf, flower, fruit, or water. And those have been also interpreted in uh, devotional ways. Uh, A fruit, um, something round means giving your whole head, which means giving yourself water, the tears from your eyes, uh, like that. That's (laughs) a very devotional interpretation that uh, the tradition has given. But the basic principle of uh, devotion and reciprocation of the Lord, this is the, we can say, this is the bija, this is the seed out of which uh, the whole process develops. Going now, we could say more about the Gita in relation to Archana, but uh, I want to go now to uh, the Bhagavatam. And in the Bhagavatam, I think it's nice to go to Srimad um, Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 28, Kapila's Instructions on the Execution of Devotional Service. 
because uh, between verses 12 and 35, we have what may be called a guided meditation on the form of the Lord. And meditation on the form of the Lord is an integral aspect of archana. And I'll just read verse number 12, yada mana svam virajam yogena su samahitam kashtang bhagavato jayet svanasa gravalokanaha. When the mind is perfectly purified by this practice of yoga, one should concentrate on the tip of the nose with half-closed eyes and see the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the verse, we have the word jayet, uh, which is the vidhi lean, uh, or optative grammatical form, which Srila Prabhupada sometimes would refer to as an imperative form. Technically, it's uh, not the full imperative, um, but it can function as a kind of imperative that if you desire, if you, if you hope to, if you want to get a certain result, uh, vidhi means procedure, or rules for activity which will bring about some result. Uh, and if we want to get that result, there will be a vidhi, there will be an injunction, and that the form of that injunction is the vidhi lean um, in the grammatical context, in terms of grammar. So jayet, uh, he should meditate. Who should meditate? The yogi, um, the person who is serious in the practice of devotional service. Uh, which yogi? One who's uh, become uh, purified in the mind and uh, who is resolved uh, to engage in service to Bhagavan, Kashtam Bhagavan, uh, into a plenary expansion of the Lord situated in the heart. Now, there are a lot of wonderful verses in this series, and uh, most, if not all of you, have, are familiar with it, but I urge you to revisit uh, because it is such a such a wonderful meditation which gives uh, very specific results for meditating on each um, limb and each aspect of the Lord's form. So he says. Uh, in verse number 16, his loins and hips encircled by a girdle, he stands on the lotus of his devotee's heart. He is most charming to look at 
and his serene aspect gladdens the eyes and souls of the devotees who uh, behold him. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, going to, looking for a specific <clears throat> verse. Oh yeah, okay. Verse 21, the devotee should first concentrate his mind on the Lord's lotus feet. So uh, this is a step-by-step -step meditation beginning at the Lord's lotus feet and moving up to his lotus face, his smile, and uh, ultimately his laughter. So it says, uh, the splendor of their beautiful ruby nails, the lotus feet, nails resemble the orb of the moon and dispels the thick gloom of one's heart. So this is referring to uh, a result of this meditation. It dispels the thick gloom uh, of the heart. Um, And the next verse urges that we meditate on this form for a long time. Then, uh, some more results I'm looking for. Um, with their nice. Anyway, the yogi then meditates on the beautiful face of the Lord. This is moving up. Uh, verse 30, which is adorned with curly hair and decorated with lotus-like eyes and dancing eyebrows, a lotus surrounded by swarming bees and a pair of swimming fish would be put to shame by its elegance. Uh, oh, and this one is very good for uh, the brahmacharis. Verse 32, a yogi should similarly meditate on the most benevolent smile of Lord Sri Hari, a smile which for all those who bow to him dries away the ocean of tears caused by intense grief. The yogi should also meditate on the Lord's arched eyebrows, which are manifested by his internal potency in order to charm the sex god for the, for the good of the sages. So Krishna diverts uh, Kamadeva, uh, Munikrite, um, by his bru mandala, by his arched eyebrows. So like that, uh, the Bhagavatam third canto, this is Kapila Dev, is giving this kind of introductory um, 
this this is only the third canto, uh, which is to say it's early in the Bhagavatam, is giving this quite detailed meditation on uh, what we might call the sort of physicality of the Lord's form. And he's directing this to the yogis, not even strictly speaking to the bhaktas, we may say, although it's quite obvious he's, he means bhakti yogis. Now, <clears throat> from here we jump to Canto 11, Chapter 27, uh, instructions by Lord Krishna to, uh, to Uddhava. And let's see if I can get there with this. And here we get uh, the, only, the only place in the Bhagavatam uh, with a kind of procedure for deity worship, a summary of the process of deity worship. And there are a few things about this which are interesting, and I encourage you to, if you haven't already, to uh, read it yourselves, or if you have read it, reread it. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, this is verse number six, of chapter 27. Na anantaparasya karma kandasya chodava sankshiptang varnayishyami yatavat anupurvasha. The Supreme Personality of God had said, My dear Uddhava, there is no end to the innumerable Vedic prescriptions for executing deity worship. So, I shall explain this topic to you briefly, one step at a time. So, Ananta, there is there's no end uh, to the instructions for deity worship. Um, Srila Prabhupada said this once, if I tell you all the details that are there in Hari Bhakti Vilasa, for deity worship, you will faint. Aside from that, of course, one may not have enough time uh, to do all that's prescribed. Um, but now the next verse I also want to call attention to. One, uh, just the translation, one should carefully worship me by selecting one of the three methods by which I receive sacrifice, Vedic, Tantric, or mixed. Vaidikas Tantrico Mishra Iti Me Trividho Makaha. This is intriguing, and it's not altogether uh, further elaborated, uh, there seem to be in uh, Lord Krishna's further instructions uh, in this chapter, Mishra, a kind of mixture of the two, with possibly an emphasis on 
the Tantra side. Now, when I say Tantra, I mean, of course, Vaishnava Tantra, where the term Tantra can be understood as, uh, it can be translated in several ways, but one is um, technology. <laughs> um, deity worship is a kind of uh, technique or technology for which uh, specific uh, texts uh, have given focus, and in particular we'll be looking at Haribhaktivilasa. Uh, but I want to here call attention to what I have noticed about the, the Bhagavatam um, is that it is a combination, it is, it is a mixture. The Bhagavatam as a whole is a mixture of Bhagavata and Pancharatra culture. Um, I won't spend a lot of, I won't go into this much, but the indicator of Pancharatra presence, if you like, in the Bhagavatam is in particular the very strong presence of Narada Muni. Narada uh, is very prominent, especially in Canto 7, but elsewhere he is present. And Narada is sort of the, in a way, embodiment of Pancharatra. We sometimes refer, Prabhupada often would refer to Narada Pancharatra, um, there's some confusion there because there's one text that goes by the name Narada Pancharatra, which is a, a later text. Um, so um, the Bhagavatam is a mixture. The other indicator is uh, the occasional appearance of verses uh, glorifying or offering pranams to uh, the vyuha avatar or the vyuha forms of the Lord. Vasudev Sankarshan Pradyumna Anirudha. This is a kind of hallmark uh, indicator that we're dealing with Vaishnava Tantra or Pancharatra. And also we have Narada Muni's instruction to Dhruva Maharaj in Canto 4 to worship the Lord. He gives uh, a mantra and he gives him blessing to worship a deity which uh, little Dhruva makes out of mud. He makes a very, no doubt, very simple, very primitive murti. Uh, simply out of mud in the forest. Beyond this, we don't find a whole lot of uh, explicit discussion of deity worship in the Bhagavatam. Um, we do find uh, narrative descriptions of worship, and here the most important I would call attention to is... Um, Govardhan Leela. And what's interesting here is that it's instigated by Lord Krishna himself 
as a way of, of subverting the Vedic worship that, was, that had been going on to Lord Indra. We all know the story. Krishna says, Dad, what's going on here? What are you doing? He says, we're doing our traditional worship of Lord Indra. Um, and Krishna persuades his father and this senior gopas uh, to set aside that worship and to divert uh, the materials of worship uh, to the worship of Govardhan, the hill. And then Krishna himself becomes the exemplary worshiper of Govardhan. And he manifests himself as the giant form of Govardhan to receive that worship. And then when the trouble begins uh, with Indra's action, or we may maybe want to say overreaction, uh, sending the uh, some Vartaka clouds and the rain, and Lord Krishna responds to the pleas of the devotees to uh, protect them. He lifts Govardhan Hill uh, with the greatest of ease on his left uh, baby finger and holds it aloft for seven days and seven nights. And in doing so, he becomes the object of worship. He becomes like a deity, unmoving, practically speaking, except for smiling and glancing uh, and perhaps speaking <laughs> with the gopas and the gopis. But he is uh, he's fixed in one place, receiving uh, the meditative worship of all the residents of Go of of Braj for all of that time, nonstop. They had been lamenting that uh, whenever Krishna goes to the forest, we cannot see him. Uh, when he is uh, sleeping, we cannot see him. When he's going here or there, we cannot see him. Uh, all of that longing is fulfilled uh, in the temple which Krishna creates in the space underneath Govardhan Hill. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, in the Bhagavatam, we have the Rasa Dance. Canto 10, chapter 29 through 33. And I won't go into this uh, now, but just to point out, this is a drama of perfect worship. Uh, and if you read this, these five chapters with this idea in mind, uh, you will find it is very illuminating and can be very helpful in appreciating what we are doing in our uh, Vaidhi uh, Bhakti Archana. Okay, um, I see the time is going quickly, and um, <laughs> I should stop here. And I see there is one question that I can respond to quickly. For Grihastas, bathing deities, 
Once in 15 days, or Ekadashi, is there any reference from Shastra? Um, <clears throat> okay, we're getting into specifics here. In the entire Hari Bhakti Vilasa, we find exactly one page making reference to uh, Archana at home. And that one page is simply saying that one should establish a standard that one can maintain nicely and do it nicely. One should maintain that standard. And what I suggest is one should write down the standard because that will help you to keep that standard. Uh, the idea is you're inviting the Lord and you are um, inviting them to receive uh, your hospitality and you're making a kind of agreement with the Lord that uh, you want the Lord to remain, not to go away because of neglect on your part, but you know in advance that your um, the time that you have is limited in so many ways. You have other responsibilities. You have many responsibilities, uh, and so Krishna understands that, and so he is happy that you will give uh, the worship that you do give with devotion uh, in the way that you are able, with a regulation which you are able to maintain. And in this uh, spirit, if you see your deity as an expansion of the temple deity where the worship is going on uh, fully uh, with several... Uh, offerings and RTs every day and so on, then your worship becomes an addition, uh, a small addition to that worship which is going on in the temple. And simultaneously, you can be meditating in the course of your day with whatever, um, whatever duties you have to do at any moment, you can be thinking how the Lord is being worshipped in the temple. And in that way, you can make a kind of connection, um, which is a, a sort of completeness of the, of the practice. Then Shivananda Shamprabhu is asking, are we following Pancharatra system? <laughs> a simple question uh, with a short answer. Yes, we are following Pancharatra, but are we following uh, a particular Pancharatra text? I have to say the Hari Bhakti Lhasa is not, strictly speaking, a Pancharatra text, but it is a, uh, what is called a, a Nibanda. Uh, it is an assemblage from several sources 
including Pancharatra, but n also including other sources. We'll get into that, and I think we'll get into it uh, tomorrow. <laughs>